Hello, welcome to Center State Bank Tuesday on the Buddy Martin Show. It's time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger. Faster. Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Hey, what if the voice calls while you're gone? Take a message. <laughs> Bye. You ready, champ? I'm ready for this my whole life. I'm incapable of small talk. <laughs> but that's why you love me, right? Kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. Good evening and welcome to Center State Bank Tuesday on the Buddy Martin Show. Just a few days before the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. It's an off week. Time to replenish, nourish, prepare, and get ready to enjoy a second half of a season we never thought that would happen. Which raises an interesting question I pose tonight in the show tease. If Dan Mullen's team doesn't beat Georgia, can this still be called a great year? Now, look, I'm not going to try to guess the minds of Gator fans, but I kind of know what they're thinking like. Let's see what happens. First of all, there's a good chance that might not happen. Certainly, the Florida Gators have at least a better than puncher's chance to beat the Bulldogs. But let's not get out of whack too soon here. Take them as they come. Enjoy it while you got it. Like I said to you, after the Vanderbilt win, you got two weeks to really relish in it right now. And so it's been a good time so far, hasn't it? So continue to enjoy until the time gets right. All right, so let me just tell you a couple things. Check it out. Yeah, the new shirts are in. This is for the elites. Those of you who ordered them, you can go on uh, All Forest Sportswear and Check it out. Uh, those people remember to the elites. I'm going to put that list up in just a second. Got a brand new elite member tonight. And he's a terrific person. And the guy you all know who he is has joined the elite. So we'll tell you about that tonight. Our guest is Chris Doring. Always a popular guest here on the program. And we'll get to Chris on a couple of things like, what about this call on Saturday when they call double unnecessary roughness penalties? the consequences of which Florida paid greatly. I got in a little bit of a heated discussion today with two friends of mine at lunch, both officials, one formerly of the SEC, one a high school official, about what happened there and why it was a lousy rule. That's just me. Maybe you think something different, especially when it calls Florida one of the best defenders and a rule that I don't think 90% of Americans football fans even knew and most coaches. So that needs to be looked at. And I heard Steve Shaw today on Paul Feinbaum's show kind of dance around it without answering it. I want to ask Chris about that. And then David Moulton will be with us a little bit later on. David's an astute football fan. We'll get his take on it from the non-player uh, standpoint. But what do you think? Is this a good rule or a bad rule? What about the fans of LSU pouring down the field? $100,000 fine for that. 
When's the last time that ever happened to Florida? Some people are saying tonight, we never did that at Florida Field. Hmm, I don't know. I know the other teams did it at Florida Field. I'll tell you of a one I remember many, many years ago. We'll discuss that as well. So tonight uh, we'll uh, discuss those things. Did a show today with a guy named Rock Riley down in Orlando. Guys, I knew Endeavor and TV, and he talked all about the kingdom. By the way, there it is right there. Wait a minute, right there. On the shirt, Indonesian Kingdom. And he was so impressed with our group and so impressed that we had done all this and so impressed that the whole thing behind this was actually partaking with the fans. He says, but he's the only person I know who uh, who does in the media who tailgates with the fans. Well, sure I do. Why not? Of course I do. <clears throat> Incidentally, if for whatever reason... Uh, you're, you didn't get the message tonight that we were going live, as sometimes it happens. Please go on and let people know we are live now on the Buddy Marty Show page. We put this tease up every day. Some days it takes and some days it does not. But nonetheless, uh, if you can, that would be great. Uh, <clears throat> all right, just say good evening to a few folks before we get to uh, the elite list. I'm going to give it to you in just a second. And uh, we're going to dial in Chris Dory here momentarily. Uh, good evening, Jamie. Uh, he's already answered the question about Dan Mullen, which we'll get to. Uh, whether or not it can be considered to be a great season, and will Gator fans complain if he doesn't beat Georgia? Uh, good evening to Jeff. I don't think I know Jeff, but Jeff, welcome Jeff Berryhill to the, the program. Terry Wilson has nice words to say about Chris Doring. Um, Terrence Simmons, uh, Dan Mullen is right with me. He's right to most of us. So, uh, yeah, dilly dilly to you. Charles John, um, said, who says open weeks by weeks suck. Uh, I don't know. This kind of feels good to me in a way to relax. And to my darling daughter up in Pennsylvania, who's been sick, along with my granddaughter, Rebecca. Hope you're feeling better, honey. Glad you're tuned in tonight up there in Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah. Hans, nice to talk to you tonight. Donald, Charles, Roger over in Nimbo. Boy, I tell you. It's so great to hear Roger chime in from over in China, and he's been such a loyal follower. Thank you for doing that. Steve Young says it's two for Tuesday. I don't know about that. Yeah, I I agree with you. Lynn's got it right. Finally, a Saturday to get a haircut. (laughs) Just get away for a couple hours and get. I'm with you on that. Uh, I I think it's good. Uh, So, uh, Maris, nice to talk to you tonight. Good to see you on. Jack, always. uh, and so on. So we'll get to all you folks here in a moment. And glad you're posting. Glad you're on tonight. And I want to tell you about this before we go to Chris Doring. Here's a little something-something for you, okay? <clears throat> this is a goodie bag. This is just one piece of it, by the way. There's lots more to come. No decorations here. But this is just a sampling of what I'm going to be giving away. And there's many other things in the next elite, elite drawing. Umbrella, beautiful umbrella there. Uh, here's a here's a flag you can fly to go to Jacksonville. A car right there. Uh, oh no no no! This bag plus others we will give away to you sometime between now and next week. So some lucky person will draw a bunch of stuff. Like I said, the shirts are in now. Uh, we've got m- many other goodies for you over there on the elites uh, who who are in the drawing. If you're not in the drawing, want to be in the elites, go online and PM me, and I'll tell you how if you want to join, okay? Well, let me put the elites up real fast and say welcome to another person. 
uh, that I'm very proud to have on this in this group. And he, by the way, is having a trophy named after him with the Ocala Quarterback Club. Here's what it is. There you are, okay? GNK Elite. Right there on the sleeve it says Elite. There you are, the most updated list. I'll get my name out of the way there. And you'll see that last name. The great Scott Brantley is now a member of the Elite. Yeah. And the Scott Brantley Trophy would be awarded to some young man uh, in the six-county area here uh, next spring who exemplifies the traits the Scott most admires in football players. And that includes academics and citizenship and character and what have you, in addition to football. So there you are. All you folks, thanks so much for uh, supporting us. A lot of those folks I haven't heard from lately. Where are you out there? Let's uh, tune in. Anyway, thank you very much for supporting. This is going to be a reward for you. We'll continue to reward you, and we'll let you know more about things that we're having. Just so you know, we don't do tailgates through Bubba anymore. Spoke to Bubba a couple of days ago. He's doing well. I'm glad to hear that. uh, Bubba's not doing the tailgates, but we try to get together when we can, and we'll continue to do that. I'll let you know what we've got going on with that, okay? So I want to get that across to you right there. And then I want to do this. I want to get to a few of our friends and say good evening to them, okay? Starting with Center State Bank. It's Center State Bank Tuesday. Thank you to all the people over there for sponsoring this program. Thank you for what you do for our community. Uh, if you don't know about Center State Bank, well, you can log on and find out, centerstatebank.com. They have 82 locations in 30 Florida counties to check it out and see if it fits your uh, your theory and your philosophy and your feeling about a bank. This is more than a bank, and their market, they're, they're things like their markets being driven locally and the long-time return horizon they take on, on loans, uh, the relationships they believe in, the faith and family, all make Center State Bank different. Uh, check them out. Go to centerstatebank.com. Uh, this is the picture of the 101 Service Wing Boulevard in Ocala that I go to uh, and I bank at. Go over and say, tell them Buddy sent you. Pick up one of those great chocolate chip cookies they have there. Uh, you can call them at 352-368-6800, Center State Bank. Remember, Center State Bank, centered on community and customer service. Chris Doring, who does a nice job on SEC now. Uh, I've enjoyed it. I make it a point now to try to listen as often as possible uh, because I think the, the late night, I like to get the SEC wrap-up, and I don't always get 
that SEC wrap up. So uh, I'll look forward to what uh, to seeing Chris on uh, when he's there. Um, and uh, let me see if I can get Chris's number up here. It doesn't want to come up real fast. I'll get it. And uh, yeah, we'll get his take on uh, some of the rules, some of the things we just talked about, uh, some of the play. And I mentioned in this uh, on the note pregame tease, and I'll mention to you uh, which Gator has been the biggest surprise success. Okay, which Gator? There have been some who have been, we expected to deliver, and they did. But which one of these Gators have actually been the biggest surprise? And I think that's what that's what's going to be interesting, That uh, because we didn't expect all this stuff. We thought we'd get some good play out of certain people. But uh, I think some of them have been way above what we expected. Let's see if I can get Chris's number to work here. What well, I didn't just want to do to Mr. B tonight. Okay, got that. And then we got... Okay, that should hopefully get us, Chris. Uh, mm-hmm. How's everybody tonight? You resting up? You should be. Uh, I'm with I'm with I'm with uh, Lynn on this. Sometimes you just need a little time uh, to kind of catch up with life. Football season goes. Uh, football season is a long, long time. We forget sometimes how long it is, don't we? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, consequently, uh, uh, it gets to be, you get to November and stuff, all of a sudden it gets a little tough out there and you got honeydews around the house to do and you haven't taken care of this, you didn't get the car clean or you didn't take care of, uh, you know, the stuff you need to take care of. Uh, and, uh, you find yourself in kind of the doghouse, right? I'm just, I'm down for the whole day. When I, when I do this, uh, I mean, I'm doing this when I'm starting out. Uh, I, I'm getting at nine o'clock my coffee and I'm sitting down. Um, and I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm good for the day. I, I just don't want to do anything else except watch football and listen to football and, you know, and then, um, and then watch the scores at the end of the day and, and have my day, right? I know not everybody feels that way about it, but to me, college football Saturday is the time, uh, that I enjoy the most. And my wife lets me do that because she knows that's very, very important to her to, as well. So, uh, all right. So I'm going to do this. Uh, I'm going to get Chris to call me because I can't seem to get him. And my, my Skype is not wanting to work tonight. Let's see. Let's try one more time. Uh, we'll do this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There we go. I think we're going to get it this time. Yeah. I want to get Chris's take on this, uh, this, this rule. Uh, I mentioned it on the show and I, I'm upset about this rule that penalizes someone like Voshan Joseph for a penalty for something that happened to his team. And, and, and he gets thrown out of the game. That's just not right to me. I don't like that rule, but that's just me. So, uh, um, and, uh, and the officials I talked to today, uh, who were qu- quite well known, uh, did not agree with me about it. Hello. Mr. Chris Doring of SEC Now, you're on the air with Buddy Martin on a Center State Bank Tuesday. Good evening to you, sir. How you doing, buddy? Good to be back with you, man. Yeah, yeah. Last time I saw you was around 12.30 on Saturday night. You looked like you put in a full day. Reminded <laughs> me of the days when I used to do NFL Today with Terry Bradshaw. we get there at 9 in the morning and leave at 8 o'clock at night. Walk out of the studio staggering, having seen a lot of football. So, it's, anyway. a, it's a long day for sure. Sorry yeah. about the dogs here, man. What's uh, his name, yeah, by we the got, way? We're What's in there about noon and get out about 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. So it's a, it's a full day for sure. What's your dog's name? I got uh, I got three of them now. I got Warful and who else? One that was 
just barking there. I got a little one named Bentley that's a Morky, and then I got a, uh, a miniature Australian uh, something that's uh, that's about a year. His name's Winston. So we got Winston. a full house of pets. Yes, sir. Are you name him PK Young or anything? No, I didn't go with the. Uh, I should have. I should have. I, yeah. I should have gone that route. But I, I you like know, that. you know how I named my kids Taylor and Tyson. Yes. You know how much I have an affinity for TDs. So yes. That's the, uh, there you go. I understand. I understand. Mm-hmm. Hey, who do you think the greatest athlete was in the history of PK Young? Greatest athlete in mm-hmm. history you may, have, may have been Willie Jackson, perhaps. I mean, Willie. You remember Willie? Not only played football, but some basketball time too. I remember basketball Willie, great you know, basketball player. Willie, yeah, Willie's coaching at Hawthorne now. He was at our warm yeah. club last week with his son. Yeah, yeah. Khalil. yeah we had, we, that was one of the uh, that was one of the big accomplishments. I think it was ninety eight or ninety nine. Small little PK Young. I had ninety two in my graduating class. We had five five guys from PK mm-hmm. Young playing in the NFL at the same same time. Which yeah, was pretty cool. That's great. Let me tell you a couple you might not know about. Um, first of all, you know, you know Doug Dickey went there, right? Yeah, I do know Doug Dickey. Okay. Yes, sir. Here's a guy that could, you could easily say would be, could say certainly one of the two or three. You were a great athlete, multi-players. This guy was a football player, basketball player, baseball player, uh, played football at Florida, played football for the Cleveland Browns, and played baseball for the Cincinnati Reds. Bernie yeah. Parrish. Yeah, I, I I heard stories about him. I never I got to see any of the uh, film, but I always seen his name up in the PK Young yeah. gymnasium. So I definitely was familiar with his his accomplishments. Street tough. I'll tell you what. So I was on the baseball team at Florida. Didn't get to pitch much, but I was on. We played Auburn. When I was a sophomore, and there at the old baseball field. And Bernie had a broken wrist or broken hand, whatever. And Dave Fuller was the coach, and we had people on base, and it was a close game, like the one run game, and. And uh, Fuller called down and says, Bernie, get a bat. Bernie gets up, has a cast on his wrist, rips the cast off of his of wrist, okay? Goes up to the plate and drives in a winning run. Nice. So this, that, that's, the, uh, that's Kirk Gibson-esque, right? Exact, exactly, exactly. And I saw that with my own eyes. That's why I know. Anyway, yeah. you, know, you had a great run there, too. Well, listen, uh, I know you had a chance to think about some of these things. You know, now it's your home and you thought about it. I want to get right to the heart of one, which... Maybe you'll have a chance at some point to bring up on SEC, if occasion calls for it. And that is this whole thing with this unsportsmanlike conduct, what I yeah. call offsetting, which is ridiculous. Uh, and we know the story. Uh, Voshan service, uh, Joseph got that unsportsmanlike, like, and you can argue a little bit about that, although certainly he did body slam it, but don't forget, as Scott Bradley said today, the running back had a little part in that too. If you saw him, he was, he was going after the whistle and keep going. But let's just give him that one and say he deserved that one. This, now to come back when Derek Mason comes over on the field and he and Mullen get into it, uh, uh, and, and, and the rest come over and they assess a sports, you know where I'm going, a sports-like conduct and they yeah. eject or disqualify Voshan Joseph, I thought was horrible. Yeah. Horrible rule. And I yeah. got argued at today, but two officials tell me I was wrong. Now, having said that, I hope I didn't influence your thinking. I didn't <laughs> see you weigh in on that one on Saturday night. Maybe you did. I might have missed it. What's your take on that? I mean, I think it's a ridiculous rule as well. I understand you know, if that team personal foul is the first personal foul, then I can understand that because the player – at least has some warning that he needs to needs to walk a tight line because of the first one. But for the second one, 
to be called and count, you know, the team to be the second one and, and to him to get ejected for something that he may have not even had any part of doing mm-hmm. is ridiculous. And let's think about it. This isn't basketball. This isn't baseball where you have so many games throughout the season. You get 12 opportunities that you're guaranteed for. And so this kid gets ejected for a team unsportsmanlike conduct or personal foul penalty, and he misses one-twelfth of the season almost, or, or at least the majority of that game. It's just, to me, it's far too harsh a penalty. It's an easy, it's an easy fix, right? It's an easy fix just to say, mm-hmm. if it's the second penalty, then it doesn't lead to an ejection. Mm-hmm. Right? If the second one's a team foul, then it doesn't lead to a team ejection. I think, that, I think that'd be fair. Things make a lot of sense, and here's why. You're right. Here's the honest truth, I believe. I can't prove this. I don't think the, the officials had any idea of the consequence of the rule when they no. called it. They no. realized it after, and they were stuck. They couldn't get the names of the people. They wouldn't name the coaches, and so they gave a blanket indictment to both teams, which I could argue that was instigated by Derek Mason from where I sat. I don't know the full facts of the story. But, of course, in, in, in sometimes officiating, it's the instigator that uh, that gets off. You never know. on a, on a But and to call that penalty and then realize, whoops, wait a minute, they did a big, big disservice to that kid. Um, yeah. and, and so then he acted like a jackass and wouldn't go off the field. And that's where I said where he could have gotten an unsportsmanlike right there. But, yeah. uh, but I mean, that, and I asked, I asked my friend Paul Fama about it. He had Steve Shaw on today. And Shaw did, he didn't really get into the heart of that one, but he's called it an unfortunate situation. It's not unfortunate. It's stupid. It's well, a stupid it's rule. The, way the rule's written, though, right? I mean, so the rules need to be well, changed. It's right. Like, remember the NFL catch rule, like how yes. messed up it yes. was, but it was the enforcement of the rule the way it was written. So it, it just needs to be adjusted. I mean, I'm certainly confident that'll be something that gets reviewed. And I imagine tweaked to where it doesn't have that consequence. Well, I was told today by somebody who's a former official it would not get changed. I said, you're kidding me. It's got to no. get changed. Oh, no, it'll never get changed. I'm sorry. If that didn't get changed, that's ridiculous. Yeah. No, I'm with you on yeah. that one, buddy. Okay, so I'm not completely idiot. That was like I felt <laughs> like today. So, uh, well, you and I may be idiots. We'll be in the same idiotic boat, but uh, I, mean, I agree with you 100%. I hate to put you in my category. Uh, so Chris <laughs> wants to know, and this is the question everybody asks, if the team had gotten a second one, well, Florida had to forfeit. That's been asked. And that, that question was not asked for Steve Shaw today. And it sounds ridiculous, but, I mean, if you apply the letter of the law, yeah. you, you have to think about it, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're going you're, you're to apply that as the second foul for one person, yeah. then it would have to be the second foul for, for the entire team. So, right. yeah, to the letter of the law, that sounds like something. And, hey, it's not too far-fetched to think that that could happen, right? And in a game where it gets chippy and That's right. players are getting after each other and That's they, right. you know, people leave the bench, they, but, they could definitely get cold. But you know why it wouldn't happen? Because yeah. the official's not going to call it because they know yeah. that, which is yeah. exactly the reason they shouldn't have called this one. Yeah. If they'd have thought about it and said, wait a minute, this would not be fair to get cost this kid. And they screwed up on the rule, which is a lousy rule. Anyway, I, I don't ever complain about officials. I don't yeah. say ever, but hardly ever, okay? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, there's other things I get into, and I agree with this guy who says, uh, Gregory says, um, Vandy was holding all day long. I agree. They were. But I know, I, I've talked to SEC officials about holding, and they could call it every the play. Most difficult penalty to call. Yeah, they could call it every play. Basically have holding on any given play you want right. to choose to call it. Some are more, some are more evident, and some are more, um, you know, you have to be called, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's a judgment call for yeah. sure. Don't want to spend too much time talking about officials when there's too much joy in the air. 
Florida, Georgia, always a favorite of yours. You had such great success against the Bulldogs. Uh, and now this one is going to be a special one. Uh, and we've seen, in, in terminology I use, Florida's going a little north and Georgia going just a little bit south. What's your take on this game now and how Georgia wound up losing and getting really manhandled by LSU? It was interesting, wasn't it? It was interesting yeah. to think about what Florida did to that LSU defense, being able to run the ball for 215 yards, and yet Georgia, you know, could barely manage, you know, over a little over 100. Georgia was the number one rushing team in the conference mm-hmm. coming into that game. And LSU, obviously we know their front seven is very talented, but they definitely manhandled both lines of scrimmage for that matter. But, you know, think about Georgia all of a sudden – there were some questions that we had about them offensively. We were worried about their offensive line. I was of the belief that they were getting somewhat healthy. I know Ben Cleveland wasn't back, but they were they were getting, you know, they got their left tackle back. They were starting to, they got uh, Solomon Kinley back. So there were some, some signs that they were going to, you know, be a little bit more healthy up front. But, uh, again, to see Georgia be the less physical team on the field, we haven't seen that in a couple seasons. So that was surprising to me. And, Obviously, I imagine that gives Florida a lot of hope with uh, w- with that game coming up in a little over a week. I'll say um, now, what what's your take on this? And I presented this question earlier today. Can Mullen lose to Georgia? And I realize this is a hypothetical, and there's all kind of ways you can go with it. Could he still have a great season? And I'm used, and I don't use the word great very often. I don't mean a good yeah. season. Could he have a great season and lose to Georgia? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't think anybody heading into the season really honestly believed Florida was going to beat Georgia, um, given what the expectation level was mm-hmm. for the Bulldogs, given the fact that it was Coach Mullen's first season. So I, I, I think for Florida to sit where they are right now, um, I think that to me has already given the, the, the opportunity for it to be a, a great season. As I told you at SEC Media Days, I thought Florida was a an eight-team, uh, eight-victory team, mm-hmm. maybe nine. And then after seeing – Ball practice the way I did, and you and I spoke about this a couple times. Um, you know, I thought they had big issues, particularly on the offensive line. They were going to you know, limit what their their possibilities were offensively, but they have been able to overcome those those limitations with some of the play calling. They've they've gotten better. I think getting Brett Hagee back has certainly helped, although it's a tough task for him playing with that club on that left hand. But um, you know, I think this has an opportunity to be. You know, anything more than eight wins to me is a, a very special season given the circumstances. And, and if they can, if they can be competitive with Georgia. What was it, forty-two-seven last year? So if they can, yeah. they can make it a competitive football game. I think that is a, uh, you know, shows signs of, of heading in the right direction for the program. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that's very interesting. Like you said we didn't give them any kind of chance at all. Now, as I say, they got better than a puncher's chance. And I haven't sure. seen the line yet, but I got to imagine it's probably going to be. Less than a touchdown, I would think, but I don't know. Uh, and and George, I mean, I, I think it probably is a what? I think it's probably seven, eight point line. Um, I would be surprised if it was eight. It might be six and a half or seven, yeah. but I don't know. I'm not a gambler, so I can't tell you that. All right, so here's one for you: of all the Gator players, now, which has been which one has been? And I'll give you two if you need them. Been the biggest surprise success? Okay. Surprise! Now, some players you expected to be really good. Yeah. But what surprise? One, one or two. Uh, by the way, the line seven and a half. Uh, uh, what, what, what name or names would you put out there? I would say, I would say number one for me, and maybe this is just the way my eye goes. 
is Freddie Swain. What Freddie Swain has been able to do to develop as a wide receiver and what he's given Florida in the return game, uh, to me, I think he's been one of the one of the surprise players offensively. Um, you know, I think the development of Felipe Franks has been a surprise for me. I, I look at the way he's protected the football. Looks like a totally different guy. I know he's not a. I know he's not a. You know, he's not a, a all SEC quarterback at this point. But for what Florida needs right now, I think he's been able to to uh, develop into you know a, a, a serviceable quarterback. And I, I think that that is a, a surprise from where he was last year. Um, defensively, uh, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I didn't know I didn't know much about Steiner. I, mean, I think he's mm-hmm. probably been a guy that uh, has, has played really well for them defensively. Um, I don't know. Who, who are you thinking? Let me hear who you Well, think. I mean, I'm with you there, but I mean, I think the one about Franks is, is that we're afraid to give him too much credit. We're still afraid though he's going to let us down. So, well, Frank, yeah. Franks has been amazing. I mean, he really has, given what he had to overcome. Now, you, it's interesting you mentioned Steiner, who not only has had a uh, walk-off uh, tackle blitz in Mississippi State, but a couple of big interceptions has yeah. played great. And today, the Sports Illustrated, not this means anything, came out with their half halfway, half, half season, uh, yeah. and, and they're all Americans, and they've got Brad Stewart as a first-teamer. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, he he has definitely been a uh, a surprise for that Florida defense. And um, you know, think about what we were, were worried about heading into the season was the, the depth play. in the secondary. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think I think Stewart's been very uh, very successful in the first half of the year. Mm-hmm. The thing you want to see from a lot of these young guys is the, the sustainability. Such a long year, um, can they keep the focus for the entire year? Can they stay healthy? Those are the things that uh, I kind of look for in some of the younger players as they're as they're bursting onto the scene. So yeah, you're right about that. I, I didn't even think about him. Well, and, and the thing about these uh, this this defense uh, and Todd Grantham's done a fabulous job. You know, had one little game that wasn't his best, but that was because he didn't have Reese, and I think he only had CC part of the time. I mean, we had no idea how many good players there were on defense. I mean, it could go on with we knew Zaniga naturally, polite, you know, naturally uh, Reese, etc. And of course. Uh, Chauncey Gardner, who, who he Johnson, who is who is I think maybe the leader of the defense. Uh, he lets them yeah. lined up right. He uh, he plays the position where he can blitz. He can play cover, cover. He can do it all. In my mind, he might be. Everybody says they're otherwise. He might be the best player on defense. Although some people think Joseph Joseph might be. But I'm going to put Chauncey on. I'm with you. I'm with you. I like Chauncey. I think what he's done, you know, in terms of, I think he's improved his tackling. I love the versatility where he can play in that. That nickel spot is very difficult to play, as you mentioned. You got to be able to. You got to be able to cover. You got to be able to run support. You got to be able to blitz. And there is a very, um, there's a nuance to blitzing from that from that flop position. So I'm with you on that. Um, Voshan, it's interesting because I think Voshan with Reese. And with, without Reese is a very different player. Yeah. Reese has been huge yeah. in terms of, and I would disagree with you. I think the leader is Reese. I mean, you look at the difference, the way that defense played with him back in the lineup. I yeah. know some of it had to do with getting John, uh, CC Jefferson back in there too. But I think in, in terms of getting everybody aligned, yeah. solid tackling, no question. getting, you know, the building the confidence of the, the defense as, as a whole, I think getting him back was the single biggest jump that this defense made. Well, I can't argue that. I'm a big Davis Reese, David Reese, uh, uh, yeah. fan, but, but here's the thing, and here's why Chauncey, tackling is one of the reasons. When you play in Todd Grantham's defense in a nickel position, you're a quarterback. You gotta yeah. know just when to go and when not to go. 
That yeah. blitz has to be perfectly timed. And you got to mm-hmm. cover some of the best receivers at the same time. So you got to do it all. And I'd say Chauncey's right there. He's really impressed me this year. And so has Reese. So, I mean, the defense has been, I'd say, overall, the biggest surprise of the whole team is the defense. Yeah. No, I think they have definitely um, shown some significant improvement from that Kentucky game. And, and let's, I don't know if that was an aberration or if that was what the defense was going to be like until you got Jefferson and, right. and, uh, and Reese back. Yeah. But they made a significant improvement in terms of – I saw improvement in terms of tackling – Right. I thought they got more aggressive with what Todd Grantham was able to call defensively right. after that, too. So, I mean, it just looks like a totally different team than we saw right. against the Wildcats in week two. All right, so you're heading up to Charlotte again this weekend. And Charlotte this weekend, man, it's, what is it, week eight now? It's hard amazing. to believe we're through heading into the eighth week of the season. Where's it going? Crazy. Well, we'll be, we'll be tuning in to watching you. We, uh, we appreciate very much the time tonight. Always enjoy talking football with you, yeah. Chris. No, I and, enjoy, uh, enjoy being on with you, buddy. Anytime, man. Have a safe trip, and uh, we'll find out. We'll check out your picks later on in the week, all right? I've been on fire lately. I picked Tennessee to win outright. Ooh, look tonight. at you. Look at you, yep. man. You're rocking. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, it, we'll tune them in. Thank you, Chris. Talk Chris, Chris Story. Appreciate it, buddy. All right. Chris Story, let's do this. Let's, tell, let's talk to our friend about this. No one ever plans a car accident. Having a plan after you've been in one, however, can make a world of difference. Daniel L. Hightower has been fighting for accident victim justice in Ocala and statewide since 1976. After meeting with Dan and his team, you'll know your case matters, that you matter, and that Dan will fight hard to get you just results. If you've been severely injured through no fault of your own by a careless or reckless driver, you need Daniel L. Hightower. Uh, we will be talking in just a moment to our friend David Moulton. First, let's tell you about Renstar, Renstar Medical Research. This is the latest Renstar Star of the Week. This young man could be very flattered. He's got his name on something uh, involves Scott Bradley, and he is the Scott Bradley uh, Renstar Star of the Week. Kimo Clark from Vanguard, 21 carries and 200 yards rushing, three touchdowns in a in a Vanguard victory over Gainesville High School, 49-28. Congratulations to Kimo, and thanks again to Rinstar for supporting this program and this particular event and this award. Rinstar Medical Research, superior research facility, uh, with a proven reputation as a high-quality, patient-centered clinical research facility. Rinstar Medical Research brings cutting-edge clinical research uh, to Ocala in areas like Alzheimer's, uh, psoriasis, osteoarthritis, migraine, fibromyalgia, along with many other things that affect our community. Uh, and they've been doing this for a long time. Since their inception in 1998, they've done over 600, probably closer to 700 clinical trials. And they take that data and send it off to prominent pharmaceutical and, bio, pharmaceutical and biomedical companies throughout the medical industry. Check them out. Go online to rentstar.net. You can find out more about how you can become involved in some of the clinical trials if you'd like to by calling 352-629-5800. And remember, Rentstar Medical Research, seeking tomorrow's answers to the health questions of today. All right, coming up in just one second, we'll be talking to David Moulton uh, and uh, get his take on things. It's getting interesting now. Uh, you know, is Alabama completely home free? You know, are they home free? And yet things happen, don't they? There's, things seem to happen, and so you can't be for sure. This is what I'll 
love about the SEC. The SEC, you cannot take for granted that uh, things are going to stay the same in the SEC. It's like uh, when you're a fighter, and uh, if you fight uh, good fighters every month, well, it, it's a beat down on your body, and next thing you know, you wake up, and it's November, and you got Alabama coming to town or whatever. It's different in the SEC. I'm sure my friend David Moulton, who joins us on the program now, would agree with me. Hi, David. Hey, buddy. How are you, my friend? I'm good. What were you talking about? Oh, just talking about the, 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 the long-term effect of playing in the SEC. When you get to November and you've gone up against these teams and, and, you, and you look at, uh, at what it's done to certain teams when you play, like we talked about with Vanderbilt last week. You know, Vanderbilt, ultimately, uh, that, that beating you get physically comes back to play because you, you don't have the depth. And in the SEC, you better have the depth because, as we know, when you get start playing uh, the big guys in in November, it really hurts, especially if you played Alabama, who well, kind of just wreaks well, havoc. I will say this though: the SEC only plays eight conference games, mm-hmm. so there's three conferences out there that have it harder because they played nine. You know, you look at Alabama's schedule this year; it's it's pretty soft. Uh, I mean, if, if if you can say that about an SEC schedule, it's it's pretty soft. But I think if you're at a really good, solid 85, then you can handle the SEC because it's only eight conference games if you don't schedule out a conference all that hard. And most SEC teams schedule one challenging game, and then the other three are layups. So it's hard, but it's doable, particularly if you can figure out a way, schedule your bye week before your big game, one softy every month. It, you can do it. but And I think Alabama's the best at spacing it out, the bye week at the right time. It's always before LSU, before their stretch in November. I, I love the way Alabama lays their schedule out. And I think it's doable, but you've got to be at a good place with your 85. And Florida's still a year away, I think, from being where Dan would like them to be. I mean, we all know what the number situation was late in, you know, a year or so ago with, with McElwain. I mean, there, Florida's not that roster. You could see why this part of the year did the buy come at the right time because they need a break. They, they're not as deep as, as four or five other teams in that conference. I hear what you're saying. I do not agree with you, and here's why. <clears throat> I think, number one, right now, Florida is a tired team, but they have a right to be. They played some tough road games, and it's not easy. I don't care even at Vanderbilt when you're having to battle back from an 18-point deficit. But I think this team is healthy, which is something that wasn't to begin the year. I think their their depth has been coached up to the where they have better than average depth. I think young players. You look at right now the secondary. Sports Illustrated's halfway point All American came out tonight. They got Brad Stewart listed on there as number one as their All American player. Nobody knew who, but except the people who followed recruiting, nobody knew who Brad Stewart was three uh, a month and a half ago. Um, and I think there's talent, more talent than we realize. Here's the other part of this. There are no easy outs, although you might call Vanderbilt one. They weren't for Florida, you know, and you go look at, look at Auburn. 
Look at what happened to Auburn. And look at Tennessee that we thought was dead and gone. I mean, cause they're, so you got somebody coming at you every week. They're not playing the softies of the Pac-12 or the, the softies in the, in the Big 12, whatever. Uh, the, down the bottom, you got some easy outs there. There really are no easy outs in the SEC. And yeah, there's some powder puff games in there, but I'm telling you physically, I think you take a bigger beating in the SEC than you do anywhere else. That's just my opinion, but what do I know? Well, I, I, I agree with that. I, I agree with that. It's the most physical conference. They put the most guys in the pros, but they do play one less conference game mm-hmm. than every other conference except the ACC, and this is not a conference that usually schedules aggressively. Now, Florida schedules as aggressively as anybody because they play Florida State. Yeah, I'll say. I wish they give it all the powder puffs, believe me, but that's just the way it is, and they all play them at some point in time. And I think ultimately that will be the result of a playoff when they take it to eight teams. If you play too many too many powder puffs or cream puff games, it will cost you so much in points you can't afford to do it, in my opinion. That's yes. just, and, so. I disagree, and I disagree with that because the more spaces they allow – the more you can get away with bad scheduling. See, to me, if you extend it beyond four, like I could argue, and I know this won't happen, but I could argue, because I'm not one of those pick-the-four, quote-unquote, best teams. That's a beauty contest. I don't think it should be a beauty contest. I think it should be a resume contest. I think the results should matter. I think who you play should matter. I could make the case, and I know I would lose, but I could feel comfortable making it, that if Alabama loses to LSU and they don't win the West this year, I don't think they should be in the playoffs. Because their schedule's embarrassing, quite frankly. That's how soft it is. And I, they've got two games on their schedule. I mean, they really do. Th- three tops. they got LSU, A&M, and Auburn. they got three games. Three on their whole schedule. I mean, and if they lose one of them, they should get a spot in the playoff. I mean, buddy, they have nine wins if the bus makes it to the game. They really do. They've got nine. Did you say A&M? Yeah, I said A&M, LSU, and and for them, Auburn. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Auburn will get it together by the time they play Alabama. I'd have to, of course, who knew Auburn would be like they were? None of us did. Uh, oh, this is shocking. Listen, shocking. I, I talked to a friend of mine uh, this week who said his friend, who's a Power 5, former Power 5 coach, went to Auburn to visit three weeks ago and came back and told him, I'll be surprised if Auburn wins another game. Something has gone terribly wrong down there. I don't know what it is. Oh, well, there's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. They were disinterested against Tennessee. And you can say a lot of things about the balls, but those guys are playing for him. And they whooped Auburn much more than the final score. And there's something – listen, I was talking to somebody earlier today in which there's discussions there about a buyout. Do you know what the buyout is? Yeah, $32 million. I I even heard 38 yeah, well, It's staggering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now on Feinbaum's show today, one of the guys, reporters down there said, it's a doable deal. I mean, you, you know, you're making, you're, what you're going to do is become the next Tennessee, you know, which has been a dumpster fire, you know, for quite some time. 
And I think maybe they got a chance now of getting it sorted out a little bit, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, you're... I, remember, I was surprised that Auburn bit last year when Gus was leveraging Arkansas so much. I thought Auburn should have let him go. When the price got that high, I think Auburn should have said, you know what, we're very well, grateful yeah. for everything you've done, but we're we're not going there. We're, we're just not going to do it. We'll, we'll find somebody. We can get good players here. We can compete. Because Gus has always had a faction there that was not in his corner. And you knew at the first sign of distress that group was going to you know, raise their hand and say, told you. And this season is a nightmare right now. Well, it's easy to say that now, but look at the time. Look at the games he had just won. You know, that, that, that before he got that oh, big contract. That. And the I president's saying, he's a new president, I got to hold on. What am I going to do? I got to go on a coaching search and look what happened to Florida and look what happened to Tennessee. And it's, it's a crapshoot, you know. And I can understand, although I think it was ridiculous. But look, I mean, uh, you know, bottom line is, is that, uh, now it, it was a horrible decision. Then well, we didn't know, right? And if if it ends in one year, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it'll be it'll be staggering. I also think it'll be an awful look, not just for the school but for the conference. It'll be an awful look. It'll it'll hit every stereotype yeah. that people of the rest of the country what they think of the SEC. It will be an awful look. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you a couple of questions, David. I asked this earlier, Chris Doring. Um, and if you had to pick one or two uh, of the players on the Florida roster that were the most pleasant surprises, successfully successful uh, surprises on the Florida roster, what one or two players would you mention? Um. Well, I have to admit, I didn't know much about the wide receiver Jefferson, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was the play that won the LSU game. Mm -hmm. I mean, Florida has not had a guy. He was covered by a first-round pick at corner and a first-round pick coming over at safety. And he went up and made a play on a 50-50 ball. And to me, that was the game. They don't convert there. They're going to end up punting. They're trailing. Uh, they're going to get the ball back. Felipe is going to have one chance to lead him down the field. Mm -hmm. I don't think he'd do it. They're going to lose. And so, uh, you know, that play that Jefferson made, I remember I almost elbowed uh, Gary Danielson because mm -hmm. I was like, that's the mm -hmm. play that nobody from Florida has made in 10 years. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's the play that, that Florida's uh, been missing. Um, you know, I think what number 11 is a Joseph. Uh, yeah, Joseph, yeah. He's the one who got the raw deal on the officiating last week, in my opinion. Oh, it was a terrible, lousy rule. Oh, boys. Oh, that, that was awful. That, that's ridiculous. They, it, they should not be able to do the whole team. They, at most, should be able to do everybody who's on the field. It should be no more than 11 on each side. Uh, hmm. How can you How can you give 85 guys an unsportsmanlike? Like, that's ridiculous. Unless they're out on the field causing mayhem. You can't give people an unsportsman like her on the bench. I mean, it's absurd. If you think about it, it's ridiculous. But well, I just want to see impressive. 
Yeah, I just went. He was. I, I, I just got to say, you didn't hear my rant. I've been ranting about it for four days and earlier today, and I had lunch today with uh, one former SEC official uh, who was a replay official too, top-notch, and a high school official. And I said, this is a ridiculous rule. And it also shows the ignorance of the guys who were calling the game because I don't think they knew it. I don't think they realized what they had done, that they had booted Florida's arguably second or third best defensive player out of the game, and they didn't know who to call it on. And, by the way, it was precipitated by the coaches, and I could even make a case that maybe was, I haven't seen heard the audio, but i got to think Derek Mason might have been the instigator. And so you, this kid pays the price for this. And I said to the guy who was the official, this is a horrible rule, and it will be changed. He said, no, it won't. So you kidding me? He said, I guarantee you it won't. I said, you're wrong. It's got to be changed. And then you call it like you did. Look, it's like offsetting fouls, except it's not offsetting. Because one team played a, paid a dear price for Correct. it. I'll say this. I don't know if anybody else thought this at the time. I have no idea what was said between Derek Mason and Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham. But I think that Mullen and Grantham took something that was said and and blew up kind of like a baseball manager is trailing seven one in the sixth used to blow up at an umpire and cause something to try to light a fire under their team i thought and i thought it was brilliant now i may be reading more into it than what actually happened but i thought florida needed spark at that time they needed some emotion it was the worst case scenario it was a sleepy day in nashville the gators were sleepwalking through it and I thought that Dan and Todd made sure that they lit a fire under their team there, and they they turned a negative into a positive is what I thought they did. I thought it was deliberate. I, I thought it's the old tape in which the manager runs out to the umpire and says, throw me out. Hmm. What are you talking about? Throw me out of the game. All right, and then I'm going to yell at you for 30 seconds, and I'm going to blank, blank you, and you're going to smile, and I'm going to smile, and I'm hmm. going to walk off. Interesting, because I've heard others say they thought maybe that's what uh, really what Mason was doing, trying to get uh, you know trying to get them. I, I don't I don't think he thought that far ahead, uh, but nonetheless, whatever it was, it was just a bad rule and it was not a good piece of officiating. No, uh, and, no, and, and no. it was a bad look for the league and everybody else, in my opinion. And Steve yeah, Shaw even I, said, "Well, it was an unfortunate circumstance. Unfortunate, they made a bad mistake. It's more than unfortunate. It could have cost Florida the damn game. You know." Losing your your, well, your one of your top players like that because of a, a stupid rule they had that feel like they they didn't know what to call so they called offsetting they really aren't offsetting but personal fouls on both teams they well it's okay well it's not okay we know why now right and somebody should have said somebody should have realized, yeah well we can't get we can't give the whole team one we, we, that means that so and so is going to get ejected I don't think they knew it all right so well but somebody should have you, you, they should have known it. I, I I heard Gene Sizzik say. I heard Gene Sizzik say on SEC now he didn't even know the rule. He never heard that rule. Yeah, we knew the rule. I, I mean, for what it's worth, we knew the rule because we've mentioned it in every broadcast. The minute somebody gets one, it's like, hey, be careful, don't get another one. No, I know individually we all know that, but I didn't know when right. you had a team had an unnecessary very rough or had a personal foul or unnecessary roughness or whatever you want, unsportsmanlike, that it went went against the guy who had one. I doubt very seriously most coaches knew it. Yeah, we did a we did a game, I don't know, four or five years ago in which they did that to both teams. And and I think what in fact that somebody then later in the game got an unsportsmanlike and got ejected because of it. 
because the whole team. Well, that's different. I can kind of understand that. I mean, that's that that's a worst thing your coach should tell you. We got a we got a, a, a personal foul against the team. Don't get one. But when you just bring it up, I mean, anyway, we can talk yeah. about it all night long. Let's talk about what's ahead now for these Florida Gators. Six and one going into Georgia. Are you a believer yet? Oh, absolutely. Okay, and absolutely. and uh, do I, and do I? Do I think they're a top five team in the country? No, I didn't say no. that. I didn't say that. But, say. but, oh, buddy, if you had said to me, and you did, I mean, for months, you're like, do you think they'll go into the cocktail party with it, you know, having great meaning? And I was like, probably not. No. I said, if if you're asking me, are they going to be 7-0 and or 6-1, and or are they going to be more like 5-2 and or 4-3, and I'll bet on the latter. No. Dan's coached them up great. They've played their you-know-what's off. And no, it's remarkable, quite frankly. Yeah, it is. And I didn't see this year. coming. I said they have a shot at maybe going into this Georgia game with a six and one. If you know, uh, but I didn't have them losing to this to, the, to Kentucky. I <laughs> losing to LSU. No, uh, but hey, that's that's and then LSU turns out to be a pretty good team. So so now it's going to be a fascinating second half of the season. In a way, sometimes talk about this for a second. When you get an open date, it can work for you and it can work against you. It's the old thing about in the NFL, and they say, "Well, clinch early or NBA clinch early." Sometimes it works against you. If I'm Mullen, although I'm liking for my team to get dressed up and all that, like he said, I'm a little worried that I come. I'm going to lose a little of that mojo, you know, that has gotten me here. What about you? No, I don't think so at all, because I think that this is a group that's only going to get better every week. You know, the more that they're part of the system and all, I, I, I think that it comes at a perfect time, quite frankly. They've done all they could do, really, in their first seven games. To expect anything more than this is unrealistic. A couple days and to make sure that, all right, now focus on, hey, we've got, we got some goals ahead that we can reach here. We win a week from Saturday. We're probably going to Atlanta. Come on now. Let's let's do this. They humiliated us last year. Sit down, guys. Let me show you the tape. They humiliated us last year. We got a score to settle. No, I, I think it's fine. The bad thing for Florida is I think it also now comes at a perfect time for Georgia because they just were awful against LSU. The coaches were awful. The players were awful. They were bad. And so this allows Georgia a chance to regroup. And also, Georgia's got to figure some things out. Yeah, they got too many quarterbacks and no quarterbacks. They they really they, they got to well, make up a mind. They don't know what they're going to do. You know, Fromm is not the guy you yeah. put. You can't put the game on Fromm's shoulders. We found that out. Well, not last Saturday. Uh, that's for sure. I mean, he didn't play well, but also there was talk afterwards that the receivers were not doing what they were supposed to do and so that they were just completely out of kilter. I didn't like the play calling uh, from the very first series of the game where they threw four passes in a row. They come back on the next drive, they run it right down LSU's throat to the tune of 70 yards and then you know go for the fake field goal and it doesn't work and then they don't come back to run the ball the whole rest of the game. I the coaches had a bad day. The players had a bad day. It, it was just one of those days. But clearly, Kirby's been going when asked about the quarterback situation. Well, we don't really have a plan. Well, he's going to have to figure one out. Really? That, that was a cute answer for a while. Yeah. But now that that's not a cute answer. No, anymore. you don't get to say he's that when you make that to, much money. you got to have an answer. Exactly. 
Well, I, well, you can say it as long as you keep winning, but you yeah. can't say it after the performance that you had at LSU and a loss. Kirby's going to have to figure it out the way Urban figured out the whole Lee Tebow thing. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I thought it would come to this, that they are much better running the ball with fields on the field. And they couldn't run it effectively with just Fromm on the field. So they got to figure something out. And if I'm Florida, I can man up those wide receivers and I can look at Georgia and say, well, you're going to have to take Jake Fromm off the field because we'll stop your running game otherwise. So bring it on, big fella. And I could see the cocktail party being a big old slobber knocker because I think Georgia's going to look at Florida and say, I don't think Felipe Franks can get to 20 against us. So we're going to play it pretty close to the best on offense and mm-hmm. not try to make a lot of mistakes. I could see it being a 17-16 really physical played in a phone booth game a lot like the LSU game, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that could happen, but that's been tried this season already in terms of trying to line up and and, and tee them up, you know, whatever to say. That, 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 all right, Frank's trying to see if he can be us, and uh, I think that they have Mullins play. By the way, how'd you like the fake punt call? Love it. Yeah, absolutely love it. One more in the in the in the in the, in the, in the repertoire. Oh, and that Urban. Yeah, Urban. That's one of his deals. Yes. Um, and and I don't know why if you play against Urban and Dan Mullen mm-hmm. that you're not ready for something. Yeah, because they always do it in big games. Yeah. And and they both believe so heavily in momentum, and they mm-hmm. chase it, and they admit that they chase it. Yeah. And if they don't have it, they try to create it. And I don't know why that Vanderbilt wasn't ready for it, because it was clearly when Florida gets behind under Urban and now under Dan, expect the coach to try to do something to jumpstart things. He believes he has to. He always has. Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> well, here's the question of the night. I'll let you go. Is that if can Florida lose to Georgia and still have a quote-unquote great season, I was sitting yeah. with a person very close to me the night before last and said, big Gator fan, long time, who said, I almost wish we'd lose to Georgia. I said, why? Because we could wind up and meet FSU and win the rest of them and have a good year and not have to play Alabama. <laughs> An unusual way of thinking about it. But do you think, so you think a Mullen can still lose to Georgia and have a great year? Sure. Absolutely. Win the rest of your games, put a 10 and 2 up on the board. Mm hmm. And, and and then go to a bowl game, yep. a really good one. Yep. Oh hell yeah! You yep. got two four win seasons in the last five. I, I can't it's argue with you. I'm just asking the question. You know, I'm, I'm oh, not yeah. saying you can't, but I'm just saying that absolutely. Yeah, <clears throat> you, absolutely. And where do you start? Do you start from the point of when the season started, what you expected, or once you yes. get into the year at six and one, you get greedy? Which one? I think you go back to before Labor Day weekend, and if you had asked. All your listeners, if the Gators go 10 and 2 this year, but don't make it to Atlanta, would you consider it a good season, a very good season, or a great season? I think more people would have said great because of where you were coming from. Four and seven to 10 and 2? Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't know. That seems great to me. Well, I dare, I, I don't know if I, third yeah, I think what we'll be able to say then. I think then it's a new day in Gainesville. And I think we're just about there at this point in time. Yes. Uh, Yes. I'm not ready to pull that trigger just yet. 
I think you're going to see it in recruiting too. That's that's, the, the that's when it all changes, thing. doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. The, I, and I believe that the Mississippi State game followed by the LSU game. I believe that that's going to change the recruiting story in yeah. this state. Where three weeks ago, Florida State and Miami were still winning the four and five stars more often than not yep. when they went head to head with the Gators. And I think that's now going to start to turn. Mr. Moulton, I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you so much. Hope we talk to you next week. Where are you going this weekend? Uh, Knoxville for Alabama, Tennessee. All right. Cocktail party. All right. Well, then I'll see you at the cocktail party, my friend. Absolutely. David Moulton, appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Okay, David Moulton, uh, I want to put this up. Here's some grades, and I'm going to do a, a couple. I'll do this. I'll go back over here and do this. We'll get this in for the night and tell you about Mark's Prime um, and uh, and also Tupperware and the quarterback club. And this, of course, is, you know, is one of my favorite places on the planet to eat, and it's Mark's Prime, a steakhouse and seafood. And uh, you hear me talk about it uh, because I like to eat there. And I, yeah, I see the thumbs going up. I'll be there on Friday night. Hold me a table, Cindy. I'll be there. My friends will be eating there, and uh, of course, the, the great steaks and the, and the and the seafood, fresh seafood, and and uh, you know how I like that sautéed spinach. Of course, sometimes I get the twice bake. I tell you, the garlic mashed potatoes are to die for. Anyway, it's good stuff. All of it's good. There's also a chicken dish there that's one of the best I've ever eaten. If you haven't tried it, you know, go for a special occasion. Or otherwise. Because it's the exceptional place when you have something that you, uh, an anniversary or a birthday or whatever, or a promotion, this is the place to go because it's elegant and it's good and the food is good, the service is terrific. And they aren't kidding when they say they want you to have a unique dining experience. And they, they, and, and if you talk to the real good chefs, they'll tell you it's all about your palate and they want to please your palate. Uh, and they do that with this beef and this seafood and the wines they have there and they take great pride in it. One of the best restaurants in all of Florida, if not the Southeast. I've eaten in many New York steak, steakhouses, New York City steakhouses, and Mark's Prime this is a Steakhouse and Seafood is right up there with them. So check them out. Two locations to serve you. One in Gainesville, call 352-336-0077. Or in Ocala, 352-402-0097. They have complimentary valet parking. You can go online at MarksPrimeSteakhouse.com and see for yourself. Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood creating a unique dining experience, which you're going to enjoy. I guarantee you. Okay, uh, <clears throat> I want to just say one more thing here about uh, my friend Jen, who's got this Tupperware thing going. If you need any of this stuff, this is the person to get it from. Uh, I'm going to update some of this stuff uh, soon. Tupperware's going to send me a new picture. The pressure cooker is still a great deal, but there's so many other things you can get from Tupperware. If you're not familiar with it, well, America's been using it for hundred years practically, uh, and uh, you you use it for so many different things, uh, including uh, you can put your your leftovers in it, you can tailgate with it, uh, you can uh, you can shop for for presents for holiday gifts. Uh, go online and look at some of those things. They got some really good bargains in there for things if you want to get uh, for your friends. Uh, just go to to uh, that address right there above. Uh, it's jenlay.mytupperware.com. Or go to Facebook, Tupperware Jen, and check it out. You can order right there. Tupperware is a household legend in our country. Check it out right there. All right. Um, let's see. I want to do this. Let me get uh, 
Let me get over here and show you. the. Here's somebody did a One thing Florida, University of Florida has done a great job on, they have really done a great job of uh, graphically of uh, in, in the social media department with things like this. Now, this is something someone did from from grades in Vanderbilt. And uh, these are the great, if you haven't seen these, of course, we know they grade out champions. They get uh, rewarded for it. Look at the game Jawan Taylor had, the tackle. A guy whose name we have called much. We know about P. Ryan. He's been one of my favorites. And he, Edgar Thompson, I've been on him since week two. By the way, Edgar will be on tomorrow night again. Marl Stevens is having a big year. He consistently grades out good. Good soft hands, good blocker, good player. And C.J. McMillions is a name we haven't seen up there. Quarterback who's been coming and came in late, was injured the first game. He's playing. So then again, uh, there's Jawan Taylor down below. I guess these must be some kind of seasonal grades. Uh, this is Vanderbilt. So don't know why. Oh, a different Jawan. There's two different Jawans here. Okay. Anyway, so that's what we got going on for grades. Thought you might want to take a look at that. What the heck of it? Uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, yeah, uh, we'll get into we'll get into breaking down. I know Lim wants to do this uh, later on about the Georgia and the Florida, um, uh, and um, and more information about comparing side by side. So uh, appreciate all you folks uh, letting us know, letting your friends know about the show. By the way, we are on um, Facebook Live, but we're also on TuneIn Radio. You can get us there. Uh, the podcast is on uh, Stitcher Radio. It's on iTunes, uh, and you and you can check it out there. So we have a lot of people listening to the show the next day. So tell your friends about us uh, and uh, let them know what we're doing here. We're right at five thousand. I think we're probably seventy-five. Lynn knows how many short we are. We'll be crossing that soon. But thank you for your for your thoughts uh, and thank you for listening tonight. Good show. Good thoughts tomorrow night. We talk again to our friend. Uh, Edgar Thompson will be right here, and uh, we'll see you then. Have a good night, everybody.